0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Tonight's share is dedicated for us and Shalemet to Chana Tzipora Bas Elker Braindel, a young girl in our community who is fighting an illness who always sees the good in others and has a happy outlook in life. So again, Chana Tzipora Bas Elker should have Rufus Shalemet. So wait, when you do something wrong by accident, The consequence is the same as if you did it on purpose. The punishment for hurting someone on purpose is much different than the punishment of hurting somebody by accident. But at the end of the day, if I embarrass a girl on purpose or by accident, she's embarrassed. My action, caused a reaction, a consequence, she's embarrassed. Now, if I did it on purpose, in Lechelik Olam Haba, I did it by accident. I have to do true, I have to ask whatever it is. That's the punishment part. But the actual thing that happened is a consequence to everything that you do. The greatest example is an example that a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people struggle with. Two things. I'll, I'll I'll go two ways. One thing is a mamzer. A mamzer is a child that is born from adultery. In other words, a woman who was married slept with a man, right? While she was married, so she did a very big sin, and he did a very big sin because she's a married woman, right? So they're both very, very guilty, and they both did a very big sin. She became pregnant. She has a child, that child he can't marry a Jew he can't be part of Claistral. Yisrael Wallstein he didn't do anything wrong his parents did why is God punishing this child in that way good question he didn't do anything wrong everyone understands that One of the hardest questions I've ever been asked in my life by a girl, probably the hardest question, the halacha is that a girl who was molested, totally, okay I don't have to use the words, totally, by a family member that's an erva, a father, a brother, a grandfather, someone that she, by someone who she's not allowed to marry, is ushered to a kayan. She can't marry a kayan. I had a girl who, the situation happened with her brother when she was a little girl. She was nine years old. She didn't know the halacha, how would she know? She's dating. She's about to get engaged. I knew the abuse that she went through because we worked her through therapy, whatever it was. I knew exactly what happened. And she comes to my house. She's ready to get engaged. And she's like, oh, Wallstein, not only is he a superstar, but he's a Kayin. And I'm going to have children that are Kahanim. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, he's a Kayin. I said, you can't marry a Kayin. Are you crazy? What do you mean? I didn't do anything. I know, but that's the hawaha. Halacha. A is that, if that happens by a brother, a father, someone that you're not allowed to marry, right? Um, not an uncle because you're allowed to marry an uncle, right? Or a stranger. But if it's done by a brother, and in this case, it was, you can't marry this guy. She went nuts. She says, "What are you saying? What are you, I didn't do anything when I was nine years old. What are you how, can, how can I show, How did she do this to me? Double I went through abuse, right? She was anorexic, she was cutting. I went through Gehenem, I went through my Adam. I find a guy, you to tell me I can't marry him? Is the shame, evil? Like, how can you be more evil? He's victimizing me twice. It, it was the hardest question a girl ever asked me. What, what do you answer? How can you victimize her twice? But I said, no, 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 Rabbi's going to marry you. You can't, you can't marry this guy. And she broke up and she's not married yet. And we all sitting here would say this is like, this is crazy, this religion. This is so unfair. And the answer is you've got to get it in your head. It's not a punishment that you can't marry a claim. It's not a punishment. It's a consequence of what happened. Because the purity of a Kohen's neshama is on a very, very different level than all other souls. It actually comes from a, a different room of nishamas in Shemayim. And at the end of the day, that neshama of a Kohen cannot, it's like water and oil, cannot be put together with a neshama that there was such a, even though it's not the person's fault, we have to get this in our head from the beginning of the year. It's not her fault. It's not the mom's fault. He didn't do anything wrong. His mother and father did something wrong. Why are you punishing him for, right? It's a consequence. Water and oil are not not enemies, but if you put them together in in a cup, the oil is going to come to the top. It will not mix with the water. It's the physics of the world that the density, the density of oil is much more dense than water, and therefore, as much as you're going to mix and mix and mix, all going to come to the top. Fear! Not fear! No! I don't do with that. It's the physics of a physical world. And the physics of the spiritual world is that a Kohen's Nishama can't mix with a Nishama that went through this type of tumor. We do you see that in the physical world. You see it all day. There are children that are born to drug addict mothers. I've actually Seen one or two. And a mother that does heroin and gets pregnant or cocaine or other drugs, the baby is in the womb and the drugs go through its system. It cannot live. If it is born and it doesn't get meth, it doesn't get a certain type of drug, right, that like the mother was using, its heart will not, will, will, he will die. So there are infants in ICU. In hospitals, and not a few, a lot in America, that are getting drugs through their IV, mamish methadone, real drugs, in order to keep them alive because their mother was a drug addict. Is that fair? Is this fair to this little baby that was born? Because your mother was a bad lady and took drugs, so now the baby has to take drugs? And the answer is, the world was created with consequence, if you're the mother and you do drugs, your baby will start its life as a drug addict. And there are certain medicines that if a woman takes that medicine, her child will be born deformed. Without a hand, without a leg. What'd the child do? The mother took the medicine. What'd the child do? The answer is, the child didn't do anything. It's not a punishment. Not a punishment to the mamzer. It's not a punishment to this girl. Hashem is not punishing you. She didn't do anything wrong. But the consequence of the situation, if I cut off your arm, the consequence is you don't have an arm. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. It's not your fault. For sure it's not your fault. If I cut your arm off, it's not your fault. But you don't have an arm. And we don't get that in our heads. We don't understand the word of consequence. We don't understand that every action that we do in life, has a reaction. Every single action that you do in life has a reaction. There were great tzaddikim that said, if somebody was Machal on this side of the world, it affects someone on the other side of the world. What are you talking about? What is your blah, blah, blah? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it? Yeah, there's, re, there's reactions and, and there's physics in the spiritual world. So there, it's not that it's not fear. It is not fear. It's not a question of fear. It's not a question of fear or not fear. That's the consequence. Of taking that medicine. That's the consequence of that happening. That's a momzo is a consequence. It's a consequence. So in the physical world, the drug addict kid is a consequence. In the spiritual world, the adultery kid is a consequence. Manashtana, no difference. That's a physical consequence, that's a spiritual consequence. And that's how much created the world. Very finite world. One we'll plus one equals two. Not two and a half. Not three. Very finite, there's some great mathematicians that wrote books which actually prove God. Whatever it is, there's one called, if you can get a hold of it, it's called Flatliners. One of the biggest mathematicians, he wrote a book on math and the math proves that there's a creator. The very finite world that we live in. And if you think that you can do something and it's not going to affect you, you're making a big mistake. Not only is it going to affect you, but even if you do it by accident, it's going to affect you. Why am I telling you this? So the worst thing you can do in this world is to mess with that. Because if that's the equation that the world was created on, if you're going to live in a world where there's no consequence, and there's no reaction to the action, the world can't continue. You're ripping the fiber of the world, which is what happened in this week's Pasha Noach. But we're going to go back to Bereshia's. So this is all based on an unbelievable medrash. And the medrash says, when Chava ate from the tree, she knew that Adam would not eat from the tree. I'll read it to you from inside. It's unbelievable. What she saw, um, And she saw that the machamavas, the Satan was the machamavas. she saw that she was going to die. So Rashi says she decided that she wants to give Adam from the fruit. And they asked the question, why would she want to give him from the fruit? The whole thing that Nachash told Kava was when you eat from the fruit, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and bad. So when she ate from the fruit, she was like God. She knew good and bad. But she had this husband who was way below her, because he only knew good. So he wasn't like God. So why wouldn't the woman want to be godly and control the man, run the man? Right, right? She's she's way above him now. Everything she does, he's going to say, oh, wonderful. How do I look? Wonderful. He only knows good. How is my food that I just burnt? Oh, delicious. He only knows good. He doesn't know bad. What a husband. What a perfect husband. Why'd she give him teeth in the tree? Why would she want him to be equal to her? She finally became above him. She actually came from him. So she was below him. She was a part of him. So when you're a part of something, that something's bigger than you. Right? Here she had a chance to be bigger than him. Even though I'm just a part of him, now I'm greater than him. I ate from the tree. So Rashi says that she wanted him to die, just like her. She knew she was going to die. She wanted him to die. So Rashi says, why, would she, why Why? are you saying that? Why would she want him to die? So she said, If I'm going to die and he's going to live, He's going to marry someone else after I die. No way. He's going down with me. I'm dying. He's dying. So they asked, but what were, were you worried about? There was no other woman. It was just her. So what were you worried about? That he's going to live. He's going to, right? And the terror is when it comes to jealousy, it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be another woman. But if I'm dead, maybe Hashem is going to create another woman. I don't know. I don't want you to be with someone else. So she decided she's going to give him to eat from the tree. But she knew Adam was a tzaddik. There's no way he'd eat from the tree. So she took the grapes, and she squeezed them, and she made grape juice. And she made mitz, and she brought him a drink. He didn't know that the grape juice came from those grapes. And he drank them. She's very clear, listen carefully. She gave him to eat from the Jews, and therefore, he ate from the tree, by accident. Adam did not eat from the tree on purpose. He ate by accident. Why would you punish him, Hashem? guy did something by accident. Why do you throw him out of Gane then? Right? Would you throw a kid out of class because he ate something by accident? There's another Medrash. The other measure is much worse. other measure says, She hit him. She had a stick, and she hit him. She started yelling at him. And, he ta- and she forced him, she commanded him, I'm going to keep beating you and screaming unless you eat from the tree. Her, you Asa. He had no choice. This nagid let to go against her. Psh! You hear? So either it was an accident, or it was even worse. She beat him to a pulp until he. It's even worse than an accident. The oh, only he didn't know where yeah, she beat him until he took from Natasha. So, what are you doing? Why are you throwing him out of the? Why are you throwing him out again? Then. Poor guy! This lady beat him up! What was her punishment? What was the woman's punishment? She had two punishments. One, when she gives birth, right? There'll be a lot of pain. So the reason that the whole birth thing and the monthly thing and all that is brought down in Kabbalah, we're not going to get into the whole thing, that the Nachash did something to her by the tree. And that zuhama, that 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 he put into her, that's the tumma that a woman has every single month, and it comes actually from the nachash. So her whole media connected midah was you listen to the nachash, and he did what he did to you. Now you're going to suffer through that. But why the why the the husband's going to be your boss for the rest of your life? That was the second punishment. Why'd you get that punishment? And the answer is because how did she get him to eat from the, the She was his boss. She beat him. She screamed at him. You controlled him and made him even the eighth and that, me the me for the rest of, for the rest of time, the man will control the woman. As much as you want equality, whatever you want, it's, you know, and they've been trying in America and they can keep trying, whatever it is, and they don't understand this and that, it's, it's in the tyrant, in, the, in Beratius, that this is what's gonna be. That a man can't abuse you, a man can't be mean to you, and, and you know, that stuff, but at the end of the day, the man is martial. The man is martial in the, in the world of business. If you look into the world, as much as women's rights and whatever it is, and I don't have anything against women's rights or whatever, if it's correct, but the terrorist says, women's rights are him, men's rights are him. The man's gonna be martial because once upon a time, you beat him, and you screamed at him, and you, and you controlled him. Now your punishment is, he's gonna control you. Everything Hashem does, is me the Kenegamida. But why did I give you that whole preface? So it looks like it's very unfair did nothing wrong. It was either an accident or he was beat into it. Why? Was he thrown out of Gan Eden? It's a very big punishment. He got thrown out of the house. Hey, unconditional love, God. What's up with God? I don't understand. You want me as a parent? I shouldn't throw my kid out of the house. When, 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 when Avram didn't want to throw out his kid from the house, so he said, you said throw them out of the house. So that was one time you said throw them out. You actually threw all them out of the house. Out of Ganeh, not only that, you put a lock on it. You have these two big malachim with a sword. they not let anybody back into Ganeh then. What's, what's with the unconditional love? Like many people are preaching today, Hashem should have said, it's okay. If you want to eat from the Eitz Hachayim, you can have that too. Let me build you a beautiful palace in Ghanaian. Why didn't he, like, reward his bad behavior? The poor guy, maybe throw her out, right? Well, throw him out. He, you know, he'll go visit her every day, whatever. But he didn't do anything wrong. So in our psychology courses, or if we wrote a book, if we would write a story about this father who is kid was beat into doing an Avera or the kid did it by accident and we wrote a story that the father threw him out of the house we would be we letters to the editor to, 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 the, to the moon who's this man Who, where did he learn from what kind of business is this we'd go crazy so like, we're not going crazy here so this is why I gave you the prefix to the whole sheer. Hashem did not punish Adam by throwing him out of Gan Eden. That was not a punishment. Adam got punished that he has to work the field and everything else. That was a punishment. That wasn't a consequence. The reason he got punished, Rashi says, is that when Hashem said, who gave you to eat from the tree, he should have said my wife. Instead, he said, the woman that you gave to me that was supposed to help me, look what you did, Hashem. It's your fault. Oh, I created this woman because you were lonely. Now you're throwing her back in my face? You're kafi taiv. You're you're an ingrate, that you're going to get punished for. He did not get punished from eating from the tree. How could he get punished? He did it by accident. Or she beat him. But the consequence, the consequence of eating from the tree, even though he wasn't his fault, he now inside himself had a Yitzhahara. You can't be with the Sahara inside yourself in Eden. So you can't be here anymore. Not, it's not your fault. I'm not punishing you. The reaction of the action that you did, even though you did it by accident, the reaction is you know no longer can be here. It's not punishing you. You can't be in Yanae then. Right, it's not your fault. 100%. I, I agree it's not your fault. It's the same thing with the kid. It's not his fault. His mother did something wrong. But you can't marry client. You can't marry client. I'll give you another example. A woman's married. Sadekista. Sadekister, the most religious, beautiful person, Mido's, Sadekister. Her husband is an animal, a lowlife, and he divorces her. A a client can't marry her. What do you mean? She's the good one, he's the bad one, he divorced her. Why can't you marry a client? A gusha, a divorced lady, can't marry a client. Why can't she marry a client? She didn't do anything wrong. And the answer is, she didn't do anything wrong. And it's not a punishment. It's a consequence. A client cannot be married to a divorced lady. The reason, we don't understand exactly the reason, but one of the reasons it's brought is because when you're divorced, you're still connected to the guy that you're divorced from. A client's house had to be very besholem. He was too nervous about everything that he did to start worrying about the ex and picking up the kids and what this week here and this week there and all this. And Almana, who lost her husband, she's cut from the husband. There's no, there's no connection. She's not here anymore. So he's allowed to marry an Almana, but he's now allowed to marry Grusha. But I'm going to tell you one even better. You have this Gaisha girl and she's like Rus and she wants to come again. And she goes to class, she goes to school. You know Gaira, they're the most holy sensitive, quiet. They, you know, they're very, they come and they're like Klaiusra, they come into Yisrael and, and the Torah warns us many, many times that we have to be very careful with the Gera and everything else. So she wants to marry a right? He's not even near her level. She can't marry Gera, can't marry her level. What do you mean? She came from being a guy. She she was Makabul Torah, me'ava. She can't marry Kayan. And the answer is no, because the is Nishama. It's like, it doesn't go with the clans in She can't marry a queen. A divorced lady can't marry a clan. A Gary can't marry a clan. I'll go a step further. I'll go a step further. A Jewish girl that's God forbid attacked by a non Jewish man, I don't want to use the words, right? And he does what he does to her, she can't marry a didn't She's did anything wrong to some guy jumped out of a car tied her up and did this crazy thing to her right she came out of car. what what do you mean why are you punishing her and the answer is get this out of your head it's not a punishment it's not a punishment it's a consequence and the consequence happens if it's by accident or not by accident if you if God forbid someone's on their phone or well, not on their phone they're driving very carefully their tire blows out and they kill someone right they killed that person. The consequence wasn't their fault. The tire blew out. Not their fault. Not going to get punished for it at all. Is the person dead? Can we say, no, she's going to come back to life because the person did it by accident? No. The consequence of what happened is the person's dead. So in this world, in the physical world, right? there is consequence. By accident or not by accident. In the spiritual world, you have the exact same thing. So Adam's being thrown out of Ganeiden was not a punishment. It was a consequence. You no longer can live in Ganeiden. You have a Yetzirah. And if you eat from the esachayim and you live forever, with the Yetzirah and you live forever, first of all, Hashem said, what will happen? He created the human. He you know how the human worked. He said, so, if a human being would live forever, and he has a Yitzhah right now, he's not just, right, cause Adam was supposed to live forever, he will become so corrupt that he will say he's God. Cause one of the things of God is that he's forever. So if a human being would live forever, no death ever, he will begin to say, what do you mean, what's the mean me and God? I live forever, God lives forever. For Keshbarchu understood that if I'm going to leave him in Ganei, with the Yetzirah, and he's going to eat from the Yetzirah, sooner or later, down the road, the consequence of now, even though it was an accident, his wife forced it to him, but he now has his Yetzirah inside, the Yetzirah is not going away, it's there, and it's going to work on him, and he's going to live forever, in the end, in the end, he's going to tell everybody, I'm God. Nimrod said he was God, he didn't even live forever. So there was a consequence to what happened even though it wasn't his fault. And therefore, many people are very upset that many times they go through things that are not their fault and they feel that it's a punishment. It's not a punishment. It's a consequence. It could be a consequence of a yogul. It could be a consequence of what you did last time. It could be a consequence of a tikkun. It could be a consequence of many, 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 many things. But it's not a punishment. It's a reaction to an action either in this life or in a different life. But that's all it is. And therefore, when you do not have consequence, when you bring up your child... And that child can do whatever they want. And you don't have a consequence for for what that child is doing. You don't have boundaries. You just let them do whatever they want. You you reward bad behavior. Rewarding bad behavior is a negative consequence. Is not a reaction to the action. And therefore, the family gets messed up. The kid goes off to death after... not our whole generation is messed up because there's no... I don't, I'm not going to school. You don't give me an iPhone, I'm not going to school. There's no consequence. You yell at your parents, there's no, they're scared, so scared you're going to go off the Derech, right, that they're scared to say anything to you. So yeah, do whatever you want, and there's people preaching out there. Do whatever you want, give them... Rewarding bad behavior is the anti-fiber of the world. Because rewarding bad behavior is no consequence to the negative behavior. So if there's no consequence, when there's no consequence, there's no reaction to the action. When there's no reaction to the reaction... You have process Noach and you have a model. And Hashem has to start the world all over again because the physics of the world, the fiber of the world, is gone. And that's why the Medjah says some crazy stuff. The process Noach, the Medjah says that trees, orange trees, were hanging out with apple trees. And they were living together. And you were getting orange apples. And animals, hippopotamuses, were hanging out with giraffes. Now that's impossible. It's impossible. Because we all know, right? Hashem set things in nature. Hippopotamuses don't hang out with with giraffes. An animal doesn't have bechira. Listen carefully. So how is it possible in Pasha Noah? A tree doesn't have bechira. A tree can't say, uh, I'm I'm an apple tree, I want to be with an orange tree. It doesn't have bechira. Hashem didn't give them a choice. Animals don't have a choice. So the only things that weren't Crossbreeding or fish? Everything else was crossbreeding. We're getting crazy animals in the world, crazy stuff. Maybe dinosaurs. I don't know, but they were crossbreeding. How could that happen? How could a horse, right, go over to a to a cat and say let's hang out together physically? The cat, a horse is a horse, and a cat is a cat. So how did it happen? And the answer is that when the the, the, the humans of the world Broke the action has a reaction. Broke the consequence. The fiber of the world, the physics, the physics of the world were broken. Once the physics of the world were broken, everything goes. There is no consequence for animals together and fruits together. For so Kodesh Baruch Hu had to destroy that world. That world had to be destroyed because it's a world of chaos. There's no reason. There's no consequence. It's a world of randomness. The opposite of consequence is, is, is randomness. That you're letting go of one ball and all throw popping out the other side. It's not something's wrong. You're jumping off a building and you're flying like a bird. Something's wrong. Because that's not how Hashem created the world. That's not the physics of the world. A person jumps off a building, he's gonna go straight down. Why is he going straight up? So the whole fiber of the world, because of the Tumma and all the things that we were doing, which was opposite the fiber of the world, Hashem created man and woman, Adam and Eve, right? Not Adam and Steve. So the whole world was going against the nature of the nature of what I could created. So nature broke. There was no nature anymore. So Hashem had to say, I have to destroy this whole world. He could have, Hashem could have just put a, how many people were living in that time? How many people? Couldn't have been a lot, right? How many, there wasn't that many people in the world. Why don't you just put a disease, like cancer or something, spread across, everyone dies, a plague. Everyone dies. Why don't you destroy the world? You destroy the world. Every tree, every bush, every animal, Kill man, man, we're doing the wrong thing. At that point, the world was so random, was so out of the, the one plus one equals two, it was one plus one equals whatever you want, that the world had to be destroyed. And Isaiah says that, it says in the Posse, that the top of the mountain, of the highest mountain in the world, was covered. Why well, did the to Torah tell us that? He says the, the model was 40 days. Why 40 days? Because a mikvah, a mikvah is 40 saw. There's 40 gallons, whatever that measurement is. Hashem had to take the whole world and put it into a mikvah. And just like when a woman goes to the mikvah, if she has one hair out of the mikvah, she's pameh, everything has to be covered. There's another lady watching that her whole head is covered, all her hair is under the water. Hashem said if there's one piece of any mountain in the world sticking above the water, the mikvah doesn't help. So he mikvotized the whole world. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. The tumor was so strong That is, what, 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 mikvah is not good enough, if you have a tray for pot, right? Putting in the mikvah doesn't help you. What do you have to do? You have to kosher it. How do you kosher it? In boiling water. Like you do for Pesach. So not only was the world covered in water, but it was boiling water. The whole world was boiled out. Mikvotized, koshered, so that when Hashem recreated the world, it was back to one plus what equals two a hippo is a hippo and a giraffe is a giraffe and an apple is an apple and an orange is an orange and we now today we're doing the same thing that happened then we're totally breaking the, the spiritual physics of the world and that's why there's more disease and that's why there's more mental disease And there's more physical disease. We never had so much cancer. We never had so much mental disease, different mental diseases. And so many kids that are born with learning disabilities. Everyone's like, well, like in our day, you know, in my day, we didn't have this. We didn't have this. I'm sorry. We didn't have this. So we say, no, because we have more people. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We didn't have it. Because the fiber of the world is falling apart. The fiber of our, by the way, spiritual world is also an emotional world. The fiber of our emotional and spiritual and physical world, is, is the consequence is gone. So the physics is gone. Not every action has a reaction anymore. Not every action has a consequence. So when that's gone, all the other stuff goes with it. Do you ever, you ever smell a rose lately? You know, I buy roses for Shabbos. They don't smell. I cannot find a rose that smells. They're beautiful. They're perfect. They look greater than any rose that you ever saw zero smell. I want to make a bracha. Zero smell. You will not find the rose that smells. You go try to find the rose in a store that smells. The fruit, when I was a kid, you bought into a peach. You bit into a peach. It was all over your shirt and pants. Today, it's like eating cork. It has no taste. A strawberry has no taste. A tomato, unless you go to a farmer's market... Right? Has no taste. Our fruit has no taste. Our flowers have no smell. The air is polluted. The water you have to buy in a bottle. Ridiculous. It was ridiculous to think that one day you have to buy water in a bottle. We turn on the faucet. And they're telling you in New York, we check the water, we check the water, it's okay, right? Who drinks water from a faucet? Whoever drank water from a bottle. The very famous story with Poland Spring when they went to the bank they needed a million dollar loan. And I don't want to talk about which bank they went to. They came to the bank, they needed a million dollar loan, a bunch of guys, they said, You want us to invest in your business? The bank said, what you What's your business? We're going to sell bottled water. They laughed themselves off their chairs. You will never sell a bottle. Everybody has free water. Who would pay for water? You turn on your faucet. I never saw bottled, bottled water when I was a kid. Who bottled water? The biggest business today. Billions, billions, and billions of dollars of water. Why? Because the water from your tap you can't drink. Everything's polluted. Physically polluted, mentally polluted, emotionally polluted. It's all polluted. Why? Because the physics of the emotional world and the physics of the physical world and and, and spiritual world, there's no more consequence. There's no more reaction to the action. And once that happens, there's no more consequence. It becomes a world of randomness. That's what's going on. And it's going on. And that's what happened with Adam. Adam was not punished. Now, I'm not into... I never bought into the unconditional love. Because the unconditional love is the most conditional love that exists. What am I saying? Think for a second, okay? So you have these guys that get up and say, Listen... If the kid wants to eat treif, and he wants you to buy him the burger with the cheese on it, you have to do it for him. You have to show him unconditional love. If he wants, if she wants to wear jeans, you have to buy jeans. Maybe buy yourself a pair of jeans so that when she wears it, she doesn't feel bad because her mother's also wearing it. Okay, crazy stuff. Now, if I would tell the parent, I want you, the kid will tell the parent, "Ma, want you to buy me a cheeseburger." But I'm telling you right now that if you buy me this cheeseburger. I'm still not going to talk to you. If you buy me pants, I'm still not going to talk to you. If you pay for my tattoo, I'm still not going to talk to you. And if you let me have eight piercings, I'm still not going to. No matter what you do, I'm not going to talk to you. Is that mother going to buy her a burger with cheese? No, why should she? She's not going to talk to her anyway. So the unconditional love that you're giving them is only on the condition that if I give you the burger and I give you the pants and I give you the boy in your bed in the, in the house and I make the bed and do the laundry right after you with the boy and I do all this for you, on condition that you're going to talk to me. But if you're not going to talk to me, I'm not doing this for you. So it's not unconditional love. It's conditional love. I'm doing all this for you on the condition that you love me. What's unconditional love? Unconditional love means that I'm going to love you even if you don't love me. So when I tell you you can't do this and if you do this, you can't live here anymore and I know that you're going to hate me for it. But I know this is what's good for you and what's good for my family. So therefore, who wants to be hated by their kid? But I will do this anyway. It's like giving him the physical world a needle. I know I'm going to... I watched my, 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 my grandson had high fever on Yontif and my daughter had to get the medicine down his throat. They held him down, never on the bed, right? And he would spit it all out. So they held his nose closed. So he had to swallow. And I'm watching this, i Oh my God, You you know that it, how much it hurt my daughter to do this? Do you have any idea? It really hurt her to do this. But if it's unconditional love, it's like, it's not about you looking at me and hating me. It's about me helping you. That's unconditional love. No conditions. You don't have to like me. You don't have to listen to me. No conditions. I'm going to do what I think is good for you. That baloney... That that stuff, giving your kid everything that they want, is unconditional love. That's unconditioned that he listens to you. That's not unconditional love. It's all about you. not about him. Even though I know this is not good for her, the Mechal Shabbos is not going to send her into the wrong side after 120 years. Why am I buying her a phone and letting her have her on in the house or even come to the Shabbos table when I know in my heart that this is Gehenem? She's not. She's going to have to do tube on this one day. You can't be Mechal Shabbos, right? With but it's more important to me that she likes me. So the love I'm giving you is unconditional that you like me. If I know you're not going to like me anyway, I'm not giving you all this. I'm not letting you to do all this. So real, unconditional love. Tashem saying the reaction to you. You have to leave Ganei then, Because if you stay here, in the end, you're going to think you're God. You're going to be an Avodah You're going to be cut off from me forever. So even though I'm sending you from the best place in the world, I'm sending you out of Gan Eden, the consequence is, because you now have the Sahara, and if you live forever, what's going to happen, Rashi, what's going to happen is, it's going to hurt you. So even though you may not like me for this, you got to leave. So now they come back to me and they say, but Rabbi Wallerstein, I have a proof from the Torah that God oh. rewarded bad behavior against what you're saying. Because you're not supposed to reward bad behavior. Right? What's the proof? That right after they ate the and right after Hashem cursed Adam, right? He made him clothing. Right? But he absolutely cursed are. He made him clothing. So you see, he rewarded them good behavior, bad behavior. He ate for the Tadas. That's why he was naked. That's why he needed clothing. So Hashem should have said, "Go find yourself some clothing. Go, go take some fig leaves, and you know, and you, you're going to freeze in the winter. Too bad." Instead, Hashem went. He took, actually, took the skin of the snake. Snakes every seven years they shed their skin, right? The punishment of the snake was that Hashem took. The Medrash says Hashem took the snake skin that he shedded, which is very painful for a snake when he sheds, and that was the clothing that he made for Adam and in your skin because of what you did. Okay, separate. Well, Amalek. It says that this koslas orb, this leather that Hashem made for them, in the winter kept them unbelievable warm. In the summer kept them unbelievably cool. And it smelled like an animal. So when Adam had to go hunting, he didn't have to shoot from far. He could walk up to the animal. And the animal would not smell the human being. It wouldn't run. He could shuck it on the spot. So doesn't that sound like Hashem rewarded bad behavior? Why are you making him a coat? So here Radwall seemed look, God God rewarded bad behavior. Or Hashem, God is good. And he gave me the answer this summer. He gave me the answer this summer. Good question? Oh. Huh? It looks like he rewarded bad behavior. You didn't I made you clothing. I went and bought you new clothing. So I'll tell you what happened this summer. There was a boy. Not His bunk pictures of girls and they caught him. This is a kid that struggled in yeshiva and finally had a good year. What was his good year? This past year, and now he's in camp and they're throwing him out. Forget it, he's gonna relapse, he's gonna go way off the derrick. Parents called Mr. Red and so you have to do something, we understand the Consequence yet, but you gotta call it. if he's gonna get thrown out and come and come home for the rest of the summer, totally gonna to lose this kid. I happen to know the director. I called him up. I'm like, I understand. I'm the consequence guy. But don't throw him out for the next six weeks. He said, I have to. He said, if I would have caught him in the woods, looking at his phone with a bunch of girls on it, and we would have talked to him, we wouldn't even throw him out. But he did it in front of the whole bunk. Now, the whole bunk knows he does it. Some of the parents know he did it. I have to make an example. That's the consequence, not a punishment. The consequence of your behavior is... To I'm like, what? You got a kid in camp showing pictures and you and you left them here to show my kids more pictures? Like, what? I said, listen, we could do a consequence, and I think he'll learn a lesson. Send them home with like the week of like, I don't know, Olympics or whatever, a big week for them, and they were going on a trip for two days. Send them home this week, right? Therefore, everyone in camp will know and take away his phone. and Everyone in camp will know he did something bad, he got punished. So there's a consequence to his behavior. Don't let him get away with it. Let him come back back and forth and back and forth and this one and that and a rub and a bicycle and that, 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 Ten days. Ten days you got to go home He can come back to camp. Okay? Parents call me up. A day later, they say, right, Wallstein, you don't understand the director or the person, whatever, who took care of the situation. You don't understand what a tzaddik he is. I'm thinking, I'm the tzaddik. I got him the ten-day thing. Not this guy. Right? But... I said, why is he a tzaddik? He said, he took my son to the short line bus to send him to New York and before my son gets on the short line bus after what he did this rabbi, this man, takes a bag and gives it to him and in the bag is food, lunch, bagels something from the, whatever they call the you know, the canteen Um, soda, candy we're we're dead? Right? Could you imagine? So one second. Did this rabbi it's not on, it's on what's going on? Get involved. This is a very important point, so it's gotta gotta make sure you're recording. This Sutton is like doing his thing. Are we on? No? Not working? We'll just, we'll just, that's why they come to the share, because in case it's not working, they can hear what we have to say. How long ago did it go off? There's no sound? Is the wire in? You're on channel one? Yes. Is the wire in? Back in? Yeah, wires in. lips on it's not not no no sound okay so you get the answer so let me ask you something did this rabbi reward this kid did he reward him for showing no he didn't reward him he threw him out of camp that was the consequence just because I threw you out of camp and now you're going on a bus for three and a half hours doesn't mean you have to be hungry and thirsty so I still love you I don't love what you did. I don't love that you, that you showed it to all the kids. in the concept of that is, I have to say it wrong. to destroying your family, and destroying you and your wife, and destroying your kids. And you've got to know. So at the end of the day, the only time you find a child thrown out of the home, is you come out. No matter what you do, you won't then close the door in his room, but if he goes downstairs and he creates himself on child, or assaulting in front of other kids, and he puts all the other stuff that is affecting your other kids, you're not allowed to keep them all. You don't have the right to say. Yitzchak. In the end, Abraham said, don't throw Yitzchak out. And, and Manuel said, you can't sacrifice Yitzchak. He's taking him into the field. He's teaching him bad things. And Abraham didn't know what to do. And he went to Hashem and he said to Hashem, throw my kid out of the house? Hashem? Throw my kid out of the house? Hashem said, the only time you can throw your kid out of the house is if that kid is a machdi. Yitzchak was making Yitzchak into a, a bad person. That's the only time. Otherwise, in the room, work with them, whatever it is. But when you throw him out of the house, doesn't mean that you can't give him a credit card and say, listen, when you're out of the house, this has a few hundred dollars on it so that you can buy food, whatever it is. We'll try to you know, get you an apartment or something like that. That's not rewarding the bad behavior. What not rewarding the bad behavior. The bad behavior is consequence. Because it's not punishment. The, got him out of the house. He's not home anymore. But just because he's not home, doesn't mean he has to starve or freeze. That's what Hashem said. Adam's not home anymore. Just because he's not home doesn't mean he has to starve and freeze. So we made him that clothing. Clothing was not a reward to the bad behavior. The clothing was a sign that I still love you. There's there's a consequence for what you did. And I I still love you. And that's why I went so crazy during the summer when that tape went around, right, that you have to show your kid love, that the kid who took the car and didn't come back for 4 o'clock in the morning, and you have to make a party in the morning, and a whole thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's got to be a consequence. The consequence is, you took the car, you're supposed to be back in an hour, you came back in six hours, I didn't know where you were, stayed up all night, I get the keys, man, for two weeks, you don't have a car. That's the consequence. But, just because of that, you need a ride, I'll give you a ride. But give me my car! No, the consequence what you did is, you abused the car, so now you you need to learn that if you abuse the car, you lose the car. Not forever, but whatever, you abuse it, you lose it. But that doesn't mean, well, I need a ride. No, you you stayed out late. I'm not giving you a ride. Could you could you could you make me breakfast, mom? Nope, you stayed out late. No, that's not there's nothing to do with it. He needs to know that you love him, but at the same time, there has to be consequence. And the consequence should have been that he loses the keys to the car. And that wasn't the consequence. They let him have a car. He told him to let him have the car, make up a suit of him, make him lunch. No, no, no. What are you teaching him? No consequence? There's no that means there's no reaction to the action. No reaction to the action. The physics, the physics of the spirituality, emotional and physical part of the world is now in half because there is an action and it has no reaction. That's the end of your. That's the end of your chinuch. That's the end of your household. That's the end of that kid. You're not helping him. You're destroying him. So I want to finish. I know we're a little bit long, but definitely worth it. So I, I have been talking about this for a very long time about this, um, this love, this. Uh, Twisted parenting, and um, of course, I'm very against it. Um, but I'm talking from a Rebbe parent's point of view. But what, how do the kids look at it? How do the kids who are getting this unconditional love, whatever you want, I'll buy it for you, the biggest avera, I'll help you do it? Do they really think that this is this is a good thing? So finally, this I don't read mishpacha. I don't read. Um, I try to learn, I don't try to read magazines, and most stuff read in magazines, those people are not, they're, they're writing, they're not out there in the streets, so I don't, I want to hear from the street, the guys in the streets, what's going on in the streets, not from the person who's not in the streets. So, finally, I get these calls a whole whole of my, emails, calls, did you read Mishpacha, did you read Mishpacha? Like, what's in Mishpacha, I didn't write anything, what should I be reading, and they're like, a kid who's getting this twisted parenting, this unconditional love, wrote an article, and Rishpacher and Wallstein, you've been talking about this for years. You, you were right. I'm like, okay, that's worth reading. If I'm right, so I want to read this very fast. I just want to read you from a kid who was getting unconditional love, no consequence. Whatever he did wrong, no consequence. Okay. You take drugs. The consequence of taking drugs, you're a drug addict. And a lot of stuff that happens with it. I. I'm taking drugs, but I don't want the consequence. You can't, it doesn't work that way. In the physics of the world, every action has a reaction. You're going to take drugs, and you're, you're going to become an addict. That's part of it. He says the following. When I, was, when I was 16, I was off the dirt and on drugs. My desperate parents sent me to a desert boot camp in a lot. I didn't even know there was one there. Where I earned a scuba diving license, the first big achievement of my life. Later, while diving near the Bahamas, I ran out of oxygen. And although my buddy helped me make it safely to the surface... Once He didn't realize I was in distress and unable to ride the powerful waves. My near-drowning experience made me think seriously for the first time about Hashem and about what I really wanted in life and spurred me to enroll in a yeshiva and turn my life around. Listen to this. I was one of the first victims of, victims of unconditional love. The phrase started entering the full lexicon at around the time when I started going off the dark and using drugs. My hysterical parents sought advice, from an expert who coached them on the unconditional love approach and instructed them to buy me a laptop with open internet access and a library of preloaded movies. When my father presented me with the laptop on Ere Pesach, the message was clear. We know you're Machal Shabbos, and we are fully expecting you to use this on Yontif. I suppose the thinking was that this would keep me off the street and away from drugs. But all it did was confuse me. All the years my parents had maintained rigid rules. You have to wear a hat and jacket. You have to sit at the Shabbos table. You have to say Advaita every meal. We never ever watched movies. The only music we learned, listened to was Cantor, Yosel, Rosenblatt. Now that I was officially at risk, however, the expert advised them to drop all the rules. In addition to the laptop, I received my own credit card with a generous spending limit. And my father personally escorted me to all sorts of amusement parks. Because that's what they tell him. Take the amusement parks and the games and the attractions that he would never allow me to step in before. He actually came with me on a wild roller coaster ride during which he lost his yarmulke. But I do feel, but did I feel loved by all this? Do you feel loved by there's no consequence to your behavior, just the opposite? They're, they're buying you laptops because you're Machal Shabbos, so you should watch it on Shabbos. A father that's a fun man, right? He said, so did I feel loved by all this? Absolutely not. Oh yeah, at first I felt cool to have all this freedom and money, but deep down it was terrifying. I felt as though my parents had given up on me. Even if they didn't utter a word of criticism about the choices I was making, I knew their values hadn't changed. They didn't want me to be watching movies. They didn't want me to be Machal Shabbos. They didn't want me wearing jeans and t-shirts. So if they were actively encouraging me to do those things, it must mean they thought I'd never amount to anything. Why else would they change their rules so abruptly? I have a lot of friends who do drugs or did. Some of my friends died of overdoses. The common denominator among all of them is that they were very hurt, whether their parents, their teachers, their friends, Or society. Does that hurt go away if your parents indulge you every whim? No. It's something you have to work through at your own pace. And the process isn't accelerated by parents giving you the green light to flout everything they hold dear. On the contrary. When my parents gave me whatever I wanted, including things that ran counter to their own values and beliefs, I felt like a total failure. As As though my parents were telling me, You're messed up. You're never going to fit into the normal we brought you up into. The way I see it, the unconditional love that some experts are promoting today is a highly emotionally knee-jerk response to the terror parents feel when their child engages in self-destructive behavior, whether physical or spiritual. They can't handle the situation, so they go ahead and give their at-risk kids whatever they want, whether it's buying them a tray for food, allowing them to live a depraved life right under their parents' roof, or sitting by silently while the kid is machal shabbos in front of the t- in front of their faces. Do you think... The kid doesn't know that his parents are crying inside despite their valid effort, a, a, attempts to show him that they're cool with this horrible stuff he's doing. Do you think a kid feels loved when his parents trample on their own values in a desperate effort to prevent him from overdosing or ruining his life? If parents are being eaten up inside by what their kid is doing, then no matter how they encourage him to do those very things, they're not loving him unconditionally. What they are doing is giving him a very conflicted message. Trust me. When parents go out and buy their kid a cheeseburger, the kid doesn't feel loved. He hates himself because he hates himself that he's making his parents do this, which he knows is hurting his parents. It's not, it doesn't help the relationship. You know what real rule unconditional love looks like? It's when a kid does something wrong and the parents show him that they love him regardless of what he did. And then they discipline him. Because when you love someone unconditionally, you create boundaries for them. No, I think I just said that. You don't let them do whatever they want if those things are going to harm him. The kid has to know that even if he makes mistakes, even if he goofs, he's still going to be loved and cared for and safe. And because you love him, you're not going to let him destroy his life. Unconditional love is a feeling. It's not about tangible things that you give your child or about ignoring the things they do that eat, that eat you up inside. It's a feeling. Unconditional love can't start when your kid drops his yarmulke and gets his ears pierced. Real unconditional love starts from the time that kids are little. If they know you love them, and they are willing to do anything and everything for them, including setting reasonable limits, then you won't have to buy them a cheeseburger to prove them that you love them. They'll know it inside, even if on the outside they're still figuring themselves out. I have been clean of drugs and back on the derrick for ten years, Baruch Hashem, thanks to the real unconditional love. That unconditional love came not from my parents, but from my Rebbe, who met me when I was in a really bad place and believed in me from the moment he met me. Even though I was rebellious, angry teenager with a shaved head and earrings, my rebbe was not afraid to tell me off. Nor did he mollycoddle coddle me when I broke the yeshiva rules. But he did give me the things I needed most. Love, warmth, acceptance, and confidence that I could become a success, which today I think I am. That's the kid's view. Not any different than what I spoke about tonight. So, real love. Hashem really loved Adam and Chava. The consequence of what they did is they had to leave Eden. But he showed them his love. That even though you have to leave Eden, I will make you magic. Magic clothing. That Mamash will do magic for you to make you as much comfortable. Because at the end of the day, consequence does not mean you don't love the person. When there's a reaction to an action, it does not mean you don't love the person. It's a consequence of what they did. The showing of love is that even though there's a confidence, I still love you. And I don't love the things you did, but I still love you. And that is the lesson tonight. That is the lesson of Adam and Chava being thrown out of Gan Eden, even though Adam did it by He did it by accident, or he was forced to do it at the end of the day. Hashem had to do what he had to do. Because there was a consequence to the action. But after that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him his unconditional love by making him that clothing. The clothing was made out of aura, which is skin. When Adam and Chava were created, it says they were naked, they had no clothing on them, but they weren't embarrassed. How come they weren't embarrassed? So the Zohar says they were so holy that there was a light emanating from their bodies. And the, the, an R, which is in the next world also. And the R was so bright, they it, it were so spiritual that you couldn't see their bodies. Can you imagine a person standing here, and it's like a crazy bright light? So you just see the shape of the light. You can't see their bodies. So they're, 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 they weren't. There was no skin. It was all a bright light. But when they from the ate, when they ate when they ate from the and das, the light went away. When the light went away, they saw the Adam. They saw the Behemoth. They saw the animal of the human being, and that's when they went, that's when they went to cover themselves up. So it brings it down in the Gemara. Now the only word in the Torah that will be changed when Mashiach comes is V'y- or. Hashem made them clothing of leather, iron, Vavresh. They're going to change the iron to an Aleph. Like Yaslehem Kosnas or when Mashiach comes, each one of us will get clothing made out of light. So the only letter in the Torah that will be changed is the ayin will be changed to an aleph, maybe it will be to see the abakarayf. Thank you for staying so long. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com